Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network Oscars 10-day streak into day seven. We've been doing this for a week and you're loving it because we're talking all things about women talking, about Ed Sheeran, about Steven Spielberg, about Colin Farrell's Big Doodle, about Michelle Yeoh, about, well, not Brendan Fraser, but props to him because we need to mention that right now because, again, it's always law. Uh, so many things that we're talking about, but today we are talking about the Australian word for thanks, ta, um, and it's starring Australia's favourite actress, except for some of us, Kate Blanchett. It's a sneeze, Kate Blanchett, um, in a movie about a woman, a woman who talks. This could be called women talking, women directing, and women conducting. That's what this movie should be called. Um, but a, a very interesting one, ta, starring Julian Glover as well, and um, music. Because that's what it is. Um, <laughs> very quotable movies. You're about to find out. My name is Ben. and But you see, the problem with enrolling yourself as an ultrasonic, <laughs> optimistic dissident is that Bach's talent can be reduced to his gender, birth, country, religion, sexuality, and so on. Then so can yours. That was actually my original quote. So I'm going to go with my backup, which I actually just found is even better. Uh, my name is Colin. As, as a BIPOC pangender, I have difficulty connecting with Ben. <laughs> Oh, I should have just gone with "You're a fucking bitch." Uh, that one seems pretty common. But yeah, I would tell you're a robot. You so you you were intrigued in this one. You thought that I was. Oh, here we are. Breakfast, dinner time. Oh, pizza. Pizza. Very hot. Hello, Jamie. I will Jamie. let it cool down. Thank you. I'd like pizza, but no, thanks for mine. <laughs> um, you sort of mentioned this to me when you watched it. You're like, oh, you're gonna walk out of this one. You're not gonna like this one, and. So this is the one where when I got to, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not looking forward to this because, you know, Colin's clearly, you know, can get that. But having said that, you liked w- women talking and I nearly stopped watching women talking. i got to say this right now. I didn't hate this movie. It was it was interesting. Like, it was sort of just mm. as much as I maybe look, I'd say I'm not a fan of Kate Blanchett. I'm just being negative Nancy because of, you know, beating Natalie Portman all those years ago. She's a great actress. And she seems like a genuinely nice person. And we talked a lot about her back in Thor Ragnarok. Like, first time, whoa, hello, Kate Blanchett. I don't honestly dislike Kate Blanchett. She's fine. And a great actress. She's fine. And she's really good. It's, it's, I mentioned yesterday a connection to Natalie Portman. This movie reminded me of Black Swan. Um, I think Black Swan was mm-hmm. a little bit darker and a little bit more flash in the pan, you know, in your face, entertaining. This is obviously a bit more dragged out, but... I just, it's an interest. it's a grounded movie, it's realistic, I think, it kind of fits very well into this modern society of, like, cancel culture and kind of things like that, and, I mean, Kate Blanchett's fantastic in this film, and it's, it's interesting, it's maybe not a movie I'd maybe go out of my way to watch again, because it is a bit of a slog, it's two and a half hours long, but, no, I, at no point did I want to turn this off, uh, I, I just, I don't know, I was just drawn to Kate Blanchett's character, and it's just an interesting movie. 
I'm so glad to hear you say that because you, you literally just voice every opinion I have. I don't have to say anything now. Okay, um, well, uh, buy a <laughs> rental me. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the same reaction I had to this movie. And that's what I kept telling Jamie. You know, this movie gets more interesting because it, it, it has a point to it. And there's a lot of similarity. There are three movies this year where I feel like they took a topic, a very topical topic, uh, and put a different spin on it that I think audiences were expecting, maybe a little bit more of a realistic spin. And this is similar to what I loved about Women Talking, where it's like, okay, well, this is, you know, uh, sexual abuse or stuff like that, but we're going to deal with maybe more realistic side of this. You know, it's, it's not just going to be as cut and dry of, oh, this is what you should do. It's like, eh, there's complexity to that. And it's the same thing with this with cancel culture. It's like, there's complexity to it. And the fact that they decided to make this movie about a gay woman who's being canceled for inappropriate conduct and everything, as opposed to a white straight man, you know, this allows the audience to see it from a different point of view, to not just go in immediately judging, oh, well, this is what you expect of those people. It's like, oh, it can happen to these people too. Uh, so this is a movie I really appreciated the message on because the message isn't clear cut. Mm. It's not saying this is right or wrong. It's not saying, should she be canceled? Should she not be canceled? It's sort of like, eh, it's a complex situation. And it really sends that message in a way that I think has confused a lot of people who have tried to watch this movie wanting just an answer one way or the other. And I think between this and the triangle of sadness, I literally had no clue what they were about. Like I said that about a couple of these other films, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think with the Banshees of Ed Sheeran, it's kind of like, okay, Irish people, pretty Island. Sure. There's going to be some, you know, uh, things are afoot on that Island. Whereas like, like this, no clue. I didn't have a clue. This is about like, you know, cancel culture and stuff like that. Triangle of sadness. I literally didn't know that that was swept away too. Like I, d I didn't know they were going to end up on an island. Like I was like, oh, this came out of nowhere. Like I literally had no clue what any of these movies are about. So I think kind of to go into that, like it's not often you just get a movie. Like you're not going to, Jesus, Colin is shoveling down that pizza. <laughs> Fucking hell, he is hungry. <laughs> he is going to town. <laughs> I'm making him joke. It's hot. He's got a serviette. He's, I don't know what, I don't know we need to take a break here. I, I feel You know, you know when you're trying to eat as much as you can before you have to start talking? <laughs> um, a bad idea when it's this hot. <laughs> Continue. Um, but like, it's, it's not like you'll just, I'm bringing up video store. You and I are old enough to do that. Like you didn't just go to the video store and go, that one. And like, never look at the, the the blurb or anything like, that and just put it on and hope it's good. People do that with the old network. Go, oh, movies and TV, this must be good. And ten minutes in, they're they're tuning out. But that's what I appreciated about this film. Um, and it's just because, again, not knowing what it's about, you, you sort of know what a movie's about, so you kind of are thinking what you're going to expect. This, I'm just like, she's a conductor. Okay, I literally thought at the beginning this whole movie was just going to be her on stage telling a story because it kind of that opening scene kind of goes on for a bit. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this will be an interesting take on it if this is kind of what they're doing. Um, she's an EGOT winner. Good for her. Um, like, kind of love how they just kind of pass that off quickly at the beginning. But yeah, it's just it was just interesting. Like that's just the way I can look at this film. It was just an interesting movie that. Yeah, I just uh, you just you're drawn to it the more you sort of keep watching it. Uh, now the director of this movie, Todd Field, he's sort of become like this modern day legend off making very few movies. Uh, he hasn't directed a movie in like 15 years, and he's only directed three in his career. But the first movie he made, In the Bedroom, I've talked about it during Terminator Month because that was like the breakthrough of Nick Stahl, who uh, played John Connor in that, and he was the only actor who didn't get nominated. Marissa Tomei got nominated for a second Oscar for In the Bedroom. <laughs> Sorry, um, do you know who this guy is? 
you know, he acted yes, as well. Yes, I was about to mention that. He's yeah, Belter and we Twister. <laughs> we talked about it all the way back for Twister, one of our first recaps. I vaguely remember so. that now, actually. Belter! Like, <laughs> oh, I like this movie even more now. The jean, ja the jean jacket guy. Belter from Twister. Like, there he is. <laughs> you know, he, he got out of acting, transitioned into directing, directed a movie in the bedroom, which got nominated for Best Picture. He got nominated for Best Director, got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. A couple years later, made it. Years later, made a movie called uh, Little Children. Got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. My favorite. And then did nothing, nothing for fifteen years. And then he comes out with this movie, and I mean, I don't know how high the expectations were, but like, he's sort of now become this legendary director where people are like, oh, oh I, I hope it's not another fifteen years. Like Terrence Malick is uh, uh, a guy who directed a lot of movies in the seventies and then waited twenty years before he did the Thin Red Line, the the war movie. And that's what this guy's kind of become the new Terrence Malick. It's like, ah, eh, he may not do anything for another decade and a half, but uh, when he does, people are always excited about it. But yeah, like, it's so interesting the way he makes this movie because it is very realistic. It's not flashy in any way, but there was something almost hypnotic about even those opening scenes where like, I don't know what the point of this movie is, but you're just listening to her on stage. and You're like, I want to listen to her. And then the scene, which might be the best scene in the entire movie, which is again, probably 10 minutes of her just talking to a bunch of students in some oh, type yeah. of masterclass and ends up, essentially you know uh getting yourself into trouble which you don't even find out till like uh, an hour later into the movie like that scene you should be bored you should be like oh i want to tune out at this point i want to fast forward be like no there's something that just draws you into it it's got this hypnotic quality about it it is definitely one of those movies where like the actor carries the whole thing and it's sort of you know we talked about like acting and you know banshees of ed sheer and how it just kind of captivates you and you're just drawn into the like i mean she's just so good in this film by doing that and it's like it's a when I say a silent movie, like it's a silent scene. You know, they're not one of those talkies <laughs> that those kids are into these days. But like, yeah. Well, when will somebody ever make a movie about an orchestral conductor and just do it silent? That's what we really need. <laughs> you got like the the um the graphic, the pose, like in brackets, like orchestral music plays. Um, yes. <laughs> but like, music gets intense. Music she, calms down. She, um, like there's no real score to this movie because obviously she's a conductor. So you hear music yeah. in this film. But like it's it's a when I say silent movie, like there's no real background music. And I think that's kind of jarring, I think, in modern day, because like particularly with like TV shows, like it's very rare that you kind of just everything's got music in it so intense, you know, whatever. There's, I'm surprised we don't have a score to the Oz Network. Um, but it's just and that's those sort of movies when they're captivating enough drawing. I mean, I say that about TV shows, but when you think about Breaking Bad and Better Call Soul, like some of their best scenes and best episodes are just long periods of silence with not much dialogue and you just kind of you're drawn to it. And this is kind of what this is like. And there's so many scenes of Kate Blanchett just in her apartment, like hearing noises, like she kind of gets like a reaction to noise in this movie. So she's kind mm -hmm. of like always drawn to sort of, you know, different things and reacting that. And it's, it's, it's a sad downfall because like, I mean, the end of this movie is kind of sad where she ends up. And again, you, I guess it's the debate and the argument is, is does she deserve to be there? And it goes back into the cancel cultural argument because that scene with the students, like they do that so well on both sides of it. Like it's sort of, yeah. you've got this, very woke modern millennial who you know was like i won't do this because of this and oh no this and offensive and offensive offensive and you know Kay blanchett's kind of like well like don't be stupid you know take away what you think of him as a person and mix it with his art and you know it's a different mm -hmm. thing and often you and i have made that argument and other people probably don't agree with that argument so i think it's kind of that level of defense where you can do that you see her downfall some of the things she does in this movie are not uh you know defendable but then at the same time, it's kind of like where well, you can see what's leading. It's it's very, I don't say complex because it's a simple movie, but it's again, it's, I don't know. I, I Ben tries to explain smart stuff. It, it's 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 a movie that a lot of people have missed the point on it. And I'm saying that 
not saying that this movie's gotten a negative reaction. It's gotten a great reaction, but it, it feels like people think that it has to be one way or the other. And that's sort of the problem with society. I mean, th this movie's entire point, which we're going to get into something similar with Triangle of Sadness tomorrow, is that you can look at it from just this one point of view that, oh, this person should be canceled because of this and forget about their art. The art is not separate from the person. Or you look at it the other way and say, well, it's completely separate. Or you can look at it and say, well, it's a complicated situation. Like That's why I, I you know, thought at the beginning, like this movie is going to be very clear at the end of it. Oh, it's one thing or the other. And there are people who have kind of criticized this movie's message being like, oh, it's, it's, it's too anti-cancel culture and everything. But it's like, no, it's not. No. It's simply saying there's more to it than just this person did something wrong. Should you continue to give this person work? Maybe. Maybe not, but then should you cancel everything they've done before? Then that's kind of what the message of this movie is. And Julian Glover, like, he, great to see him in it. Again, didn't oh, realize yeah. he was in it. And there he is, our friend, Julian Glover. Hello, Julian. Um, but, like, the scene, one of the, well, I think there's, like, two scenes when he's sort of, like, having dinner with Kate Blanchett. And there's, like, he kind of go, he has a bit of a speech about, like, oh, like, you know, the threat of they being... you now, too. <laughs> yeah, the threat of being cancelled or, like, you know, accusations are generally worse than... You know, and, like, it, it is an interesting, because I think... You like what you pointed out about like they could have easily just gone like he's like Kevin Spacey's return was him yeah. being cancelled. You know what I mean? Like it would have been so easy to do this about a straight white male and then just mm -hmm. clearly have you not sympathize with this character. But the fact that you do it with a woman, uh, a, a gay woman, and kind of like you know have on that level because there are things in this film where you can easily be like, oh, that's a bit like you know uh, looking at Kate Blanchett's mm -hmm. character. Oh, you know that's a bit you know off. But I think for the most part, you kind of really do sympathize with her. Like, weird comparison. Um, I always like to have my weird comparison. It's like the movie W, the George W. Bush movie with Josh Brolin in it. Like, I don't think you're ever meant to sympathize with George W. Bush. But you sympathize with George W. Bush in that film. And unlike Vice, where they're kind of like, hey, Sam Rockwell, like, oh, I'm George W. Bush. Like, kind of the opinion of George W. Bush. Like, you really sympathize with George W. Bush. In the, and I still don't think you've seen it. Please, CW. It's a great movie. Um, that didn't make my top 50 films of all time. I really might rethink that. Really great movie. Um, but, yeah, like, I kind of think you've got that level here where maybe you're not meant to sympathize with her, but you, you do. And it, it, it does raise questions around cancel culture because I think that does get lost in the fray, like the the accusations. And we've seen that. Like, when I accuse Larry the Cable Guy of masturbating, like, that's stuck <laughs> with him forever. Like, you know, like things like that where it's just it can stick with you and it's not true. Therefore, like it, it hurts you more. And people always have that opinion of you when it's not true. You know, we, mm -hmm. had, we had Peter Bowl in this country, great Olympian. We talked a lot about off the podium. He had a negative drug test, a positive drug test, sorry. And basically it's come out recently and he's like, yeah, I told you I was innocent. It wasn't. But like there are going to be people who are going to be like, well, you're a drug cheat. It's like, dude, follow the follow up. Richard Jewell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All these sort of things that stick to you and everything. So Richard Jewell, great movie, by the way. I did end up saying that. Yeah. We cover that. Point is, it's it's an interesting sort of – and I think it's very smart that they did this. I mean, I'm, I, honestly, I'm surprised they didn't do this with sort of like a black gay woman to kind of really add an extra element to it. But I think that it still works purely what they do with this with Kate Planchett. This is not even on the topic of the movie or the quality or anything, but we've talked a lot about people – essentially trying to cancel people's ability to do Brendan Fraser, by the way, props to Brendan Fraser um, <laughs> props to him. Uh, he played a fat man and he's not a fat man. Um, and that controversy behind that. And yeah, we understand you don't want to whitewash characters. You don't want to have a white guy playing an Asian guy or things like that. But 
when you have what Scarlett Johansson having to drop out of that movie because of, well, she's not actually transgender and Brendan Fraser's not allowed to play a fat guy. He's not actually fat. Why is it that playing a gay character is the only thing that people accept an actor should well, do? In fact, a lot now. They, well, but, but like the thing that's confusing is that it, it seems like actors get criticized if they don't want to play a gay character. Oh, this person was afraid to take this role because they're gay. Well, that's terrible of them. But yet any other role, it's like, well, why aren't you casting a real fat guy? Why aren't you casting a real transgender woman? Why is gay the one thing where you're you're almost expected, hey, if you're a straight actor, you have to play gay? Yeah, I mean, I feel there is getting some criticism over that now. It's been called out a little bit more. Um, look, I don't know. I mean, the argument is, is then, you know, what, gay actor playing a straight guy. I mean, it's probably more prevalent out there because there are obviously a lot more straight roles out there and people are, say, closeted for a while. They don't have to come out to mm. later. So, I mean, there's, you know, I can see the argument around that. But, yeah, look. I'm I'm one of those people who are on the opinion it's acting. Like I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. that's it's the profession you're signing up for. Like it's more impressive if you're playing something you're not. <laughs> Sam Worthington isn't a blue alien, people. Like I mean, you know where where are the blue alien roles in that film? Like it's just barely a man, anyways. <laughs> like Joaquin like Phoenix isn't really a, a you know the Joker. Like he doesn't kill. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he did really kill Robert De Niro on a set of a I don't know. TV that, show. That True. documentary he made a couple oh, years I mean, ago. I think you'd believe that's Joaquin Phoenix, right? You know, I mean, Jared Leto hasn't been hurt of since uh justice league snyder cut but <laughs> like but i mean that's the point it's acting and yeah like we've moved past you know you only live twice yellow face and things like that we've grown up as a society to see that's wrong but it's it's still on a level of like you, you can't be so technical with things you know what i mean like yeah, it's like a straight actor playing a gay actor and then you're going to maybe have some gay people going, well, why can't a gay person play that role? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, to me, and I'm not a gay person, but, like, we often talk about how, you know, you can shove that down your face. Like, hey, everyone, I'm gay. Like, it's like we get it. Like, whereas this, it's, and this is what I appreciate about a movie like this where you've clearly got a gay character, but it's just played off as there's nothing about that that we should be focused on. It's just within two seconds in the film, you realize she's a gay woman. Cool. And then the drama is around her and around women and all that kind of stuff, which is where like, I believe that's where acceptance comes into things like this, where you're not thrown out there and you know, it's like, Oh, let's have a pride week to celebrate it. Like I get the point behind it, but like, shouldn't we live in a society where we don't have to single out a certain thing to point it out? Like this is a movie where it's just like, cool. She's gay. Great. Move on. And one of the other criticisms I read about this movie was uh, the fact that, I guess, a real life, this is a fictional story, but mm. a real life gay female composer or whatever has criticized this movie saying, it's like, finally, you have a gay female conductor or composer or whatever depicted in a movie and she's a monster. And and that's the other thing like you often get, oh, well, this is a negative character. But like, I don't think any minority really wants to always be depicted as the hero because those aren't the good roles. The good roles are the, nobody wants to play Sam Worthington in Avatar. They want to play, well, nobody wants to play anything in Avatar anyways. Wants to be Sam if Worthington. they had a choice. Sam they, Worthington they, they doesn't want, want to be Sam Worthington. He wakes up every morning, I wish I wasn't Sam Worthington. Yeah. Like, like, do you think that uh, people are like, oh, as an actor, I really hope that I could be Oscar Isaac or Daisy Ridley. No, they're like, I want to be, uh, what's like Adam Driver. Like that's the interesting role. So, is it a negative depiction? Yeah, it's not going to be the only depiction ever. I kind of get if this is something that a person identifies with. Like, if Canadians had never depicted in film before, and the first time they're depicted, they're a terrible villain. They're like, well, that's not represented. But this movie's not trying to represent no. a group of people. 
if anything, this is actually a good thing because you have a very complex role that's being played. This is what you should want. But this is the thing. I mean, humans are humans. Humans are going to human. Like you've yeah. got great people. You've got shit people. It's that simple. And it's it's like, yeah, there's a there's an issue where maybe it's purely always like, you know, oh, a terrorist automatically has to be an Arab or, you know, like the Russians are always evil. I mean, they are at the moment. But like, I mean, even then, like, it's kind of like not every person in Russia right now is like behind Putin going, yes, we must invade yeah. Ukraine. There are so many Russians who are like, fuck, I do not agree with this. Like, so like German soldiers. We're going to talk about that. In yeah, not days. everybody in Germany, like the 30s and 40s was evil. Like, I mean, it's just kind of like it's that brush that you're painting with. I get the negative perception, but like I grew up in, uh, you know, I went to an all boys high school. My core group of friends were all gay, or still all are gay men. And some of them were dicks. Trent Queen, fucking dick. <laughs> but like, I don't automatically think, well, all gay people are, are dicks because yeah. I know some very nice gay people. I know some in the middle gay people. I'm an asshole and I'm a straight man, but not all straight men are assholes. You, you're okay. No one <laughs> asshole. But like Joe Biden, what a man. Uh, you go. go! Like, I mean, Brenda <laughs> Fraser, what a man. Like, what a straight man. But then it's like straight women. Most of them are good. Some are shit. Some are okay. Like, it's just any gender, race, sexuality. You have your dicks. You have your good people. You have in the middle people. And it's not like every single film we've got like a gay female. It's like, oh, you're all automatically bitches. Like, uh, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a good role. It's a fun role. Um, I'm sure Kate Blanchett had a ball playing this movie. A ball. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure she had a blast playing this role. From like, the past. It, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to do here. I mean, a lot of dialogue. I really commend her. Like, those opening scenes, there's some long takes in there and a lot of dialogue. I mean, I, I, I think... Do you think she's the front runner for best actress? I right think now? so. From what I'm seeing, she is. Uh, I know time of recording this to SAG Awards or the other day, and I know Michelle Yeoh won that, but it's from what I've seen this... It's this and best actor that kind of might have a slight upset, but I think this is even more so than sadly Brennan Fraser. I think she's kind of swept it. This is kind of really the only one I feel that they've sort of swept. Maybe Kihu Kwan has sort of swept it a little bit, but like I think mm-hmm. of the acting categories, because, you know, Angela Bassett's getting caught up now. There's That's wide open. And sadly, again, best actor, you know, Austin Butler's sniffing on the heels of Brendan. So like there, there's a chance there that Brendan sadly might not win it. But this one, I think of the acting categories is probably the biggest slam dunk um so yeah but i mean she'd be a three-time oscar winner so what meryl streep three time daniel day lewis three time um judy dench how many is judy dench judy's only won one um so uh denzel washington's won two i i need to look this up but one thing actually just tom hanks too tom hanks won two i I, one thing i want to add though is kevin spacey won two not allowed to mention that i like I legitimately thought this was a biopic. Like when I'm watching this, I thought this was a real person. So like when I looked it up afterwards and it said it was fictional, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I think what they do well in this film, and maybe this goes into your criticism of a lot of biopics, is that you make it sort of more grounded, realistic. And I guess that's harder to do if you're doing Freddie Mercury, Elton John, you know, Whitney Houston, these sort of people, right? Elvis, you know, how do you make them more grounded in reality? But like, what I appreciate about this film is I legitimately afterwards, I'm like, oh, who is this woman, this Tashi? I've never heard of her. Yeah. And, he got, and I'm like, oh, it's fictional. Oh, okay then. So, yeah, that was one interesting thing I thought I found about it. Yeah, and it's the difference between this and biopics where you're actually telling a story that has a start, middle, and end. You're not just picking, we're going to tell events of their life in the start, middle, and end. That's the difference. And when we get to Elvis, I think that's one of the strengths of Elvis is that they they have a story that's told over all these different time periods. They're all kind of their own things, but... 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. That's something caught in my throat here. Pizza's going uh, down well. <laughs> pesto in my throat. But uh, yeah, like this, it, it, I, I was the same thing. I think I was halfway through this movie and I assumed even just from what I knew about the movie, this was a real story. Then I'm like, I can't find anything on this woman. I don't think this is real. And then you realize, no, it is a fictional story. That's where this movie is also handled so well just far as the direction goes because you don't think that anything in this movie is too far-fetched. And that's, the I think, the difference between this and The Fablemans is that for me, The Fablemans, it was a real story. You believed it was real, but then it had a little too much of that cinematic Hollywood quality about it. Whereas with this, it's a fictional story. And I 100%, you could, I could tell somebody tomorrow this movie is based on a real story and they wouldn't doubt it in any way. Um, just quickly on the actors, there's a few here that you forget of one too. Um, I thought uh, Anthony Hopkins had won three, but he's only won two. Uh, Renee Zellweger, of course, has won two. Um, Dustin Hoffman, too. But okay, so there are one, two, three, four, five, six actors who have won three and one actor who has won four. Now, can you guess the uh, the one who's won four? Which, if you think back to Oz Network jokes, she may be involved in an impression uh, that we're. Renee Russo? No, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh um oh Catherine Hepburn. Exactly. She's, and hey, we could count Kate Blanchett playing Catherine Hepburn as the fifth. There yeah, we go. Yeah, so she's one four. Um, so actors who have won three. So actually, and it's predominantly female, only two uh well, three males have won three. So Walter Brennan um won three in the space of four years. You go get him, Walter Brennan, 36, 38, and 40. Uh Daniel Day Lewis, um, and Jack Nicholson, of course, has won three Oscars. Uh the women or women. Uh, Meryl Streep has won three. Ingrid Bergman has won three. And Frances McDormand. I forgot she won the other oh, year yeah. for Norman Land. So she's won three. So, yeah, Kate Blanchett would join esteemed company to win three and then push for four. Who's going to get... Meryl will get four, surely. Meryl's, it's been a few years since I, Meryl's been nominated. She's got to do something soon, right? I think the, the thing with Kate Blanchett is that... Uh, I mean, despite your your objections, uh, I think that Kate Blanchett, every time she's won, people are like, yeah, who else is it going to go to? There's none of these, like Meryl Streep has a lot of these, like, okay, we get everybody loves Meryl Streep, but like, you're really going to nominate her for this movie of all movies? Uh, whereas Kate Blanchett, like, it, it's it's always the slam dunk that we're saying it, it could be this time. I, I I would love for her to win a third. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Kate Blanchett fan. Um, anything she's in, she's fantastic. Uh, but oh, I'm pulling for Michelle, yo. I'm really pulling for her. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is definitely, again, a category where, I mean, look, I've not seen Blonde, but I mean, I'd be fine with Anna Damas winning. I uh, can't say Ugh. I'm too familiar with Andrea Risebro for two Oh, that's the, that's the, con- you ever, have you heard the controversy with that one? I have not, no. It was a very small uh, movie that, that actress, Andrea, Andrea Riseborough or whatever, I'd seen her in a couple of, she was in a uh, Tom Cruise movie, Oblivion. She was also in a, TV show with um, Kyle Chandler and Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Bloodline. But uh, she got nominated for Best Actress, and it was this tiny movie that had, like, no promotional budget. And then it came out afterwards that, like, I guess there was a lot of, not where we're going to promise you personal favors, but a lot of, like, oh, call your friends and tell them that they should, you know, raise buzz about this movie, which is apparently just against the, the, the standards and practices of, like, if you want to promote yourself for a nomination. So they were even talking about, oh, well, this movie didn't properly you know, use the right channels to, they, they kind of use a lot of like backdoor. I'm going to phone this person up and say, consider nominating us. Uh, mm. But uh, nobody's knocking the performance. I guess everybody who's seen it said it was brilliant. She was brilliant in it. But yeah, that's the controversial one. They almost rescinded. I, by looking thing, I, I watched the miniseries Waco. Um, she was in that. Uh, oh yeah. It was, who's she in that? Uh, she was, I think the Judy Schneider. Was that the, oh, of course. Is that one of the main? Yeah. Look, 
That was a Michael Shannon thing, right? Not Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. It was a Michael Shannon. And Taylor yeah. Kitsch. Yeah. And, um, oh, what's her face? Um, Supergirl, who was also in Homeland. Um, the Canadian. I like her. Supergirl? Um, <laughs> she's very attractive. Um, j- j- <laughs> um, oh, the main girl for Supergirl. You know her. Um, well, the main girl for Supergirl is not Canadian, though, is she? Yeah, she is. She's totally uh, Canadian, isn't she? Melissa Benoit. No. I don't think she's Canadian, is she's she? She's totally Canadian. She's American. Uh, she's American. I'm going to confirm it. I mean, she's, <laughs> yeah. well, she is great on Supergirl, but uh, yeah, not Canadian. I, I, I like French-Canadian name. Like, well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Melissa Benoit, oh, she's clearly from Iowa. Like, I mean, you know. <laughs> Um, I keep looking, so you go to the um, Oscars page to look at the uh, nominees and you kind of do the control find to find all the tar. Uh, is, is this getting confused with tar, the way of water? Uh, <laughs> 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 That's the sequel to this film. Um, but so this uh, nominated for six Oscars, same as Top Gun, yeah. actually. So best picture, best director, best actress, best original screenplay. Um, best cinematography, best film editing. I was about to say best visual effects, but that was uh, Avatar. Um, I mean, Kate Blanchett, is she the only one really up for this, do you think? Um, yeah. I don't think it's getting editing. Um, well, we, we talked about that the other day. Um, best cinematography, no. Uh, that's all quiet in the Western Front, surely, or Elvis. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's maybe Kate's. The only one. It's, I mean, I don't think this is in yeah. the, the conversation for best picture. I don't think it's really been mentioned at all. I don't think Todd's been really mentioned in best director. So, uh, yeah, probably just best actress. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's the one that it actually has a shot at. Although, again, I'm still pulling for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I mean, again, I'd be very happy for Michelle, obviously, to win that. Because, again, Bond girl getting an Oscar win. Uh, Judy, the only one, really, that's won one. Uh, um. Oh, it's Halle Berry, but she, yeah, we're not getting into that argument again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna buy this movie. I like. I actually came into wow. this thinking it would be a high rent, but I think like just it's one of those ones that you sit on for a few days, and you go, yeah, yeah, like enjoyable, and maybe I can watch. Like I said, I probably wouldn't watch, rush out to watch this again, and maybe I wouldn't. But like, if you know, in ten years, twenty years time, it's kind of like let's do a retrospective of one year to go over the movies again. Like, I would probably go like, yeah, ta, that was interesting. And I think that mm. if, particularly if she wins the Oscar, it kind of changes a little bit and you'd reflect back on that a little bit and go, oh, yeah, okay, like I want to rewatch that again knowing that she wins the Oscar for it. So it also swayed my opinion a little bit on Kate Blanchett. Good for you, Kate. Um, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you. I, I, I don't necessarily think this is like the type of buy where I literally will go out and buy this thing. Uh, maybe if I saw it at you know, a discounted rate or something like that. But it is, it's such an interesting movie. It's such a unique movie. And it's a movie that I appreciate more than I enjoy, which is mm, weird because mm-hmm. like I'm buying a movie that I didn't necessarily enjoy because yeah, it's not that. like a lot of fun, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate that this movie is is leaving things open-ended. It's not trying to cram any opinion down your throat because whether I agree with an opinion or not, I hate to have that opinion be a, the solid message of the movie. I think with rankings, it's interesting because, um, you know, again, it's a buy, but it's obviously I like other movies above it that I would, you know, watch it. So, I've actually got this third last out of seven. So I've got this, what, fourth, fifth, no, sixth, no, seventh, fifth. And I can I can count. I just got my top 10 here. So it's weird to kind of work it out. So my order right now is Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, The Fay Woman's, Tar, Avatar Way of Water, Women Talking. 
Yeah, I've got this as six, and it's a movie I recommend. Uh, so yeah. I, th- this year really is m- far superior to most of the years we've done, including the last two that I did by myself. Um, there's really only one that's a stinker in here, uh, and it's called Avatar. But yeah, I mean, mine's everything all, all at once, uh, Top Gun. Um, um, what was next? Banshees, <laughs> Women Talking, <laughs> Fablemans. I, I, I'm going through movies that I know yeah, I've seen that we haven't ranked yet. Fablemans. Yes. Fuck off. 100%. Uh, and then Tar and then Avatar. Fuck off. We've been talking. You talk about one being trash. You, you've missed that one. Um, I'm so intrigued for tomorrow. Triangle of Sadness. Oh. Um, again, no idea what to expect from this movie. And I think the beauty of this, like, it, I mean, it literally is in three parts. But, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a very much a three-parter of a film because it's kind of, it is very different in each section. I'm saying this yeah. right now, and you're going to probably rip into me for this, and Noah will. This does a way better movie than Parasite, than sort of going through the class oh. divide. I'm sorry, but this movie does a way better version of it. Um, so that's just my opinion. Um, but it's just, it's got so many levels about this film where it's kind of like you're just not expecting it. There's some moments in it which it's gross but hilarious. Um, and then you've got acting performances literally in the third act that you're like, wow, where did this come from? Um, this is swept away. Shut up. This is swept oh. away. Uh, so go back and rewatch swept away because you will appreciate get, swept away more because this is on, on, swept away without Madonna. On a very superficial level, it is swept away, but uh, <laughs> it is parasite. Uh, it, it, there, there's things I am excited to talk about tomorrow. I'm glad you made that comparison because that's one of the things that I picked up on the most is that this is parasite in an English language uh, and just on a cruise ship in an island instead. Um, but this is the movie I think that surprised me the most. Yeah. I wasn't really sure much about it. I kind of had, and, and I had an idea going into the movie, oh, this is what it's going to be about. And then the first act of the movie hits, you're like, wow, this is totally different than I expect. And the second half of the movie hits, you're like, well, this is sort of more what I'm expecting, but still very different. And the third act, you're like, I've just watched three movies and yet they actually work together. Like, I'm saying right now, this is, this is one of my top movies this year. I absolutely loved this movie. And Woody Harrelson shows up, but... I'm just going to say right now, the most hilarious thing about this movie are the credits because you have all these names and then all of a sudden they put in the biggest letters imaginable, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> and As I keep waiting should. and I'm I'm watching this movie and Jimmy's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm still waiting for Woody Harrelson to show up. When's he going to show up? They promoted it. It's Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And like, I, I'm surprised he didn't get nominated for an Oscar as well. But um, oh. yeah, I mean, and like the, the two stars of this movie are kind of, I don't say forgettable, but they're kind of like, it, it's entertaining, but like, it's actually, it's a weird thing too. And maybe I'll, I'll remember to talk about it tomorrow. It's even got like elements of the Rocky Horror Picture Show to it. Not like with like the, the flash and pizzazz of Rocky Horror, but just kind of like, you got this like couple <laughs> together who have to do things outside of their relationship to like, you know, get to point. I, I figure this is like a trader's ER thing. It's like, it's kind of like Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show, but no singing, dancing, flamboyance, <laughs> camp, none of that. Well, there's flamboyance, Woody Harrelson. I'm Woody Harrelson. <laughs> da, 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 Woody da, da, da. Harrelson. But no, I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie too. So I am looking forward to talking about that. But, uh, We've only got a couple to go. Uh, we've got Triangles of Sadness. We've got People on War. And we've got Elvis has entered the building, which, again, I'm looking forward to talking about that again because we obviously talked about that one already last year. And then our full preview. So, obviously, in our Elvis episode, we'll talk about Elvis and then we'll wrap that up by sort of giving our predictions. 
I can never remember who got them right. That was like three years ago. Um, so uh, we did it, what, three years in a row? And I think we all won one once and then, I don't know, fuck it. I just, let's just say I won. I predict that uh, the following people will slap people at the following time in this year's Oscars. Um, 24 was out yesterday. Other episodes are there. It's cool. Um, my name is Ben and do 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 music. Uh, and my name is Colin and do 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 conducting. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.